Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin from Canada. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, otherwise known as the CCB. And if you'd like to learn more about the CCB, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, have you been enjoying the Olympics this past week? I certainly have. And uh, where most people take, uh, I don't know, a stuffed animal to bed with them, I take the Olympics. <laughs> I have a um, TV in my bedroom and I lower the volume so that I can just hear it. And if I stay awake, I stay awake. And if I drift off to sleep, then so much the better. But uh, I, although I do have to say that I did wake up this morning with uh, at 3.30 with a, a, a soccer game. Uh, so I, I do think that did wake me. But anyway, uh, I'm enjoying it, and we'll have more to say about that a little bit later. Actually, uh, more specifically, the Paralympics. First, though, it is the first Monday in August, uh, the first week of August, and uh, we want to begin, as we usually do each month, by hearing from Kim Kilpatrick, who is a coordinator with the Get Together with Technology program, which is a wing of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And this week, because the Olympic Games are well underway, we're talking about how someone who is blind or partially sighted might be able to access the Olympics and carry with them, carry them with them wherever they go. So here is the chat that uh, Kim and I had. Well, hi there, Kim, and uh, welcome back. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. So with the Olympic Games on now. Uh, a lot of people, I don't know, I, I don't know if there are uh, all that many, but I, I love uh, watching the Olympics or listening or whatever. So I thought it might be a good time for us to talk about apps that you can download so that uh, you can uh, take the Olympics with you if you want to. Well, you know what's really interesting is I'm a, a big Olympics junkie. I've always been, I've mm -hmm. always been into it too, like watching the Olympics and um, and just before the Olympics, we had a a call, a weekly call, and we I asked everybody, should they have the Olympics this time? And everybody said no, they should not. Like even people that love it, and I was even on the fence too. I thought. You know, yeah. should they be doing this right now with COVID in Japan and the Japanese people don't want it and all that. And I thought, maybe I'm not going to watch this time. But, of course, <laughs> once it got going, oh, yes. I into it again. And I was. I am. Yeah. Um, the one thing I really think is good for Canadians this time, CBC has the coverage of the Olympics. And they have um, an app. Which used to be the sports app, but now seems to be called Olympics, CBC Olympics. Oh. You search for CBC Olympics or Tokyo 2020 or something in the app store, you'll find it. But if you already had the CBC sports app, one morning I got up and it was now called CBC Olympics. So, um, and it changed quite a bit. Like it, it sort of, the Olympics sort of took over the app in a way. Yeah. Um, and also, if you have the CBC TV app, which is called CBC Dem, CEM Dem. Yeah. That also has coverage, too. Okay. So you could you could use either of those apps to, um, to listen or watch the Olympics. Um, 
also the website, but I haven't used the website, but cbc.ca, uh, probably slash Olympics, CBC, if you look for that. But I've just used the apps, and the apps are, are really quite good. So the Olympics app has different things. So it has um, stories, you know, headlines that you can read, you know, listen with your screen reader. You can read stories about them, and then embedded in those stories would be like to replay, you know, a highlight or something like that could be within that story. Right. And then they have um, live, so you can click on live, and it'll play what's on at the moment, you know, what they're what they're playing. Oh, nice. Can, it also has replays, so you can also go back if you miss the sport and you really like it. There's, it will say, you know, gymnastics, women's whatever, and, or swimming, heat, or something, day four, and you can... Um, press play on, like, press on that, and you get those things, too. Um, they have a tab called Athletes. I haven't really gone into that. So what is it called? Maybe Athletes. Oh, I see. Okay. And talked about them, but I, I haven't really explored that. I explored some of the other ones, but I hadn't really gotten into that one. Um, so they have a lot of stuff on that CBC Olympic app, and I will say uh, it was really good, too, because the opening ceremony, when I clicked on the uh, CBC Demap or the CBC Olympics, I think it was the CBC Olympics, uh, they had opening ceremony, and then they had opening ceremony with audio description. And so you click oh. on that button, yeah. and you got the opening ceremony with audio description. Right. Which was really nice that they did that. And they did it also in a whole bunch of indigenous languages, too. So wow. I but I clicked on the one with audio description. And as much as I like the Olympics, I've never really liked as much the ceremonies because ceremonies are so visual. Yes, they are. You know, like, yeah. like they're, it's kind of boring, actually. Yeah. <laughs> to say, oh, look at that. That was really great. And you don't know what it is. I know. It was nice that they had that right on the main um Networks. I think in the past AMI had done some, but it's nice that they've integrated it and they have it there. Um, I was hoping they might have more audio things, but they haven't. So I don't know. I guess maybe just maybe the opening and hopefully in the closing will have it. And I don't know what will happen with the Paralympics. Like that'll be interesting um, to see what happens with that. There was a button in the Olympics that also says Paralympics, so um, I'm sure that that app will, you know, be working for that, but I'm just not sure what the coverage, you know, what will happen, what it'll be like. Right. But it's really easy to, it's easy to, to find the sports, like find the things you want to watch and to watch those things. Like, it, it is quite easy to do. Well, that's good. And you tap on it, the video player seems... Um, accessible like it yeah it'll say 15 seconds back 15 seconds forward like pause video and you know so and then there's a done button um so so that all seems to be accessible and working and everything seems to be accessible and working oh good you can watch it on tv too obviously yes um, like like so if that's the way you you prefer to watch it um that's, that's available too, but I do, I find, I haven't actually watched it on TV at all this time. I just used my phone. Oh, that's because, good. Because it's so accessible and I can find the things I want and, you know, I find it's good. I can just put it on my phone and then but a few nights I fell asleep, you know, <laughs> it on with the prime time on or whatever. And then you wake up and someone really, like, you know, yells loud with excitement and yeah. like that. But um, I really think they've done a very good job with this um, with this app. The thing I criticized them for is that they kept saying it would be available, it was available, download on the app store before the Olympics, and I kept trying to download, and it said open, which meant I already had it. And I thought, well, I've never downloaded I don't know. Oh. And then I'd open, I'd press open on it, it would be the sports app, and it wouldn't look like the Olympics, and I was confused. Yeah. And so that's one thing I'd say is, 
you know, they seem to not be clear on what, like it just all of a sudden changed over, but like I didn't know it was going to be like that, so it would have been nice to have like that. Yeah, really. Separate app or just, just information to know that. Yeah. Um, I don't know on Android. Uh, I'm imagining it's the same, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I haven't looked at it on the computer, but supposedly it's fine. Like you go on the website and you can find events that you want. You can watch them. Okay. But I have not. I have not done it on the computer. I just. I just got that app and I found it useful. And I actually find it nice. Like I'll read a story. This morning I was reading a story about about swimming. And then it said, play, play, um, like, it, I was reading about it, and it said, play the, play the, uh, the race, or so that isn't what it said, but play. Yeah. And then I played it, and then, so it's like, you heard that one race or that one thing. Yeah. And then you didn't have to wait through, you know, all the commercials and all no. that other stuff, and so, so that I find, I find that quite, quite nice. Yeah. Now I had heard I still the. Love audio described. Sorry. So I would still love audio described Olympic events. So. Yeah. You know some of those events that you like gymnastics or like um, diving or. Yes. You know some of the stuff that's very visual. I wouldn't mind. Right. But, the description. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard that that gem is not very accessible. Have they made changes in it? I find it accessible. I find it good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. When did you hear that it wasn't that accessible? Um, when it first uh, came on the oh, okay. uh, scene, you know? Yeah, no, it's very good, too. Oh, good. Labeled. Um, so if you go into them, you just, at the top, it'll, be, it'll say featured and Right there, right now, it says Tokyo 2020, and you double tap on that, and then you get live, you know. Oh, yeah. Click on live. Um, no, I find it good, and you know the other nice thing about GEM is if you set in your settings in the app to audio description, uh -huh. anytime there's any show with audio descriptions, it will play it automatically, so you don't have to mess around with... Um, with, you know, finding it or turning it on again. Like, once it knows that you use that, yeah. if there's a show with it, it puts it on right away, which is great. Like, I find that that's really nice. Good. Yeah, I find them, too, is, uh, is fine. It's good. Um, I looked around a bit for podcasts. Yeah. And I didn't find much, which sort of surprised me. There's one from the BBC called The Podium, and that was the only one I found, and it was quite interesting. They had different athletes talking about things. Yes. But I was kind of surprised there wouldn't be more, like yeah. podcasts or other ones, but I didn't find anything. I looked several times for that, and I didn't, I didn't notice that, but that was the only one I find, The Podium, um, from the BBC. And I went on the BBC to see about their coverage. Yeah. And you could read the stories in the BBC app, but you couldn't get live because I guess outside of the UK, like if they don't have the right to you know, Canada, yeah. he has the right here, so they couldn't do it. So I couldn't get their commentators or their coverage or whatever, but... I could read on the BBC app, like if there were stories about the Olympic athletes, you could read those. Right. That was, that was about as far, you know, as I got there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's great. Like, I think it's, they've done a very good job, and it's, it's easy to... And, oh, they, on the, in the Olympic staff, they have a tab called Schedule. So if you want to look up when events are, you can oh. that. You can see, you know, what's coming up on a certain day. Yeah. Um, I find it a bit overwhelming because there's so many events, you know. So yes. like, it's kind of like I was reading through and I thought, oh, man, there's a <laughs> lot of events. 
I'll never remember all of these. <laughs> no, no, and I don't know if you, they said on one of the commercials that you could customize this, and I don't know, maybe it's within schedule, but you could kind of customize it to give you alerts when something's going to happen or happen oh. something. I don't know, though, because I didn't explore that too much, like I looked at schedules, but I didn't, um, I didn't really click on those things. And I didn't see any other place where you could, you know, prioritize sports or something like that. But maybe you can. Yeah. It's just, it's a very uh, big app with a lot of things in it. So I haven't done, I haven't explored all of it yet. Right. So, um, but, but I think they, you know, I think it's great. I think they've done a very good job. And, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive that you can sort of, listen to what you want to listen to. Yeah, that's that kind of thing. That's, that's very cool. Well, speaking of the uh, Paralympics, maybe I can share something with you. Um, I was going to share it with uh, our listeners anyway, but um, I'm going to be doing a podcast, a daily podcast uh, for the Global Voice um, during the Paralympics, because the coverage, I find, is never all that good. No. Uh, it isn't nearly as good as it is for the Olympics. No, it isn't. So I'm going to be doing a daily podcast starting August 23rd called Paralympic Update. Oh, great. Yeah, on the uh, Global Voice, and you can either get it, go to their, um, theglobalvoice.info, and then look for the program gallery, or you'll be able to subscribe to it, and it'll just pop into your inbox. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm going to subscribe because, yeah, that is that is a big gap, you know, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what are you going to do on that podcast? Are you going to just talk about results? Are you going to highlight Canada, or what are you going to do on this? I'm, I'm going to try to be as uh, impartial as, as I can because the global voice covers everywhere, you know. Yeah. That uh, I'm hoping to find articles about uh, various Paralympians and uh, uh, about various uh, sports. I know the last time I did one on uh, blind football. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, football, apparently, my dad said when he saw it one one time, he said that is the most violent thing I've ever seen. Not because it's so violent, but because they were all kicking for the ball and they were all sort of kicking each other, like not intentionally kicking. No, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it's funny too. They tell their fans to be quiet. That that is funny. I mean, it's, yes, you have to have that. But yeah, uh, that's 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 a great. Um, that's a great thing, really, because it it doesn't it ever since London twenty twelve apparently it's been much higher profile and I think it has yes but at the same time it doesn't get that uh, it doesn't get the same uh, coverage like you said or the same the athletes don't get the same no um, promotional perks and things like that because. When actually, I know people that have watched both and say that they actually like watching Paralympics more. Is that right? Yeah, I know someone who was in London and they watched both and they said, man, Paralympics was way more interesting because, I mean, and they didn't mean this in a, um, like a condescending way. Yeah. But it was because the sports are so different and you don't see that and because... People are doing things that you normally wouldn't do. Like, you wouldn't know how to do, like, wheelchair tennis. Like, they were watching wheelchair, you know, tennis or wheelchair basketball. And saying, yeah. You know, like, this, this is very impressive. You know, like, this is, um, and they were watching some people with no hands, you know, doing certain things. Oh, yeah. Like, um, swimming or, you know, stuff like that. And it, it's like, you know, this is very interesting and impressive and sometimes uh they i don't know they just found they found the wheelchair racing was fast and really interesting and the like you know just 
just really, really loved it and yeah. thought it was it was better in in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, like like so different. And the athletes, they said the athletes were more interested, more interested. You know, I don't know. Just they loved it better. They loved it more. So yes, it, it, it's interesting, though. Yeah. I'm hoping to be able to actually interview a few athletes, if I can. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, it would. So I've been asking people, you know, if you know of an athlete that's going, uh, um, maybe get us in touch. <laughs> and uh, I don't know anyone anymore who who goes, I guess. But um, yeah, I think I think. I think that's a, that's a really great idea to do that. And hopefully the fact, I haven't looked at the Paralympic part of it yet, but hopefully there will be more. There will be you know, more coverage and a lot, of, a lot of coverage, but I imagine there won't be as much coverage as for the Olympics. Yeah, and uh, I'm, what I'm hoping to do at the end of each uh, podcast is to provide a medal count. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So how long are you thinking your podcasts are going to be every day? Well, it'll be hard to say because I, I won't know how much I'll be able to find. I know in previous years, um, some will be maybe six, six minutes and others will be 20. Yeah. All depending on what I can find. But it doesn't matter as long as what you're doing is you're filling a hole for, like, information. So, like, in a way, it's good, even if it's six minutes of a medal count and, like, you know, an article or two about something. Yeah. That's, that's, that's important to, yeah. to have that. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So, well, thank you very much for coming on and chatting with us about this. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say... Um, Story to say that I, I was gonna stick to my guns and not watch, but I oh. can't help myself. No, I can't either. No. no. And also, it's, it's good for the athletes. Like I really feel for them. They they've been through a lot to even go. Yes, that's right. And um, you know, the, their families can't be there, and the, it's you know what I like though too, Devin, is with no crowds. There are things I can hear now that I, I would normally hear. I think. Yeah, that's right. Cool. The other night there was a swimmer from Tunisia or something that won a gold, and I love those swimmers uh, like some little country. Yes. And he was slapping the water and screaming. I know. <laughs> and, and you heard it like like you heard it clearly, right? Where yes. There was a huge crowd in the stand. You wouldn't hear that, maybe. No, that's right. And I just love that. Like, and and there's other times where I think, oh, I can really hear the people swimming or jumping or. Gymnastics, like you can really hear their hands on something or jumping, or you can hear it. Yeah. Whereas normally you might not because the crowds would be so loud. Yeah. So I actually enjoy, I don't want to say enjoy no crowds, but like I kind of, um, I kind of like it in a way. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't bother me that there is no crowd. No, no. And I don't think, I think once someone's into their event, I don't think they're going to care one way or the other, right? No. You know, like, if you're really focused on something, you're not going to think about it, right? You're just going to do what you do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they'll know that their loved ones and friends are watching, and now that there are so many ways of communicating, you know, with uh, Facebook and FaceTime and email and text and well, everything. Right before, like gone are the days when you know people would be lining up for phones or yeah, you know what I mean. Like I guess in the early early twenties, you know, early nineteen twenties, like they heard about them sending um, telegraphs. You know, like yeah, had to go across the ocean on a boat. I was doing a story about Canadians once in nineteen twenty eight for storytelling, and they went to uh, Holland, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, in a boat. So they had to train on this boat for like two weeks. Oh my the goodness! The first time women were doing track. Yeah. Anyway, 
but they they had to go on a boat and they had telegrams and all that, you know, so it's so really <laughs> different now. It's so different now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's interesting. And go women, boy, so far. Oh, yeah. Look at that, all the women. In the pool, that's done really well. Yeah. Yeah. But the, all the medals are women so far. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's something. That's yes. Something, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I'm not sure what we'll talk about in September, but we'll figure out something. Oh, yes, we will. Yeah. And if anyone wants to send us anything that, to figure out, then um, let us know for sure. Yeah, insightpeterborough at gmail.com. That'll be great. And, and if uh, just while we're talking, if uh, you come across any uh, any articles about the Paralympics, and you I can will, I will send you anything I find over there. Thank you, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Anyway, you have a good month. You too. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Take care. This is the first week in August, as we were mentioning earlier. And that is traditionally the International Assistance Dog Week. Uh, the week was founded by a lady in New Mexico named Marcy Davis, and I was able to chat with her uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, initially, the, the chat was for... Uh, another show that I do called Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. But I find that, aside from guide dogs, and I love talking about guide dogs, there's no doubt about that, and I want to people, I want to educate people about guide dogs and, and advocate for them and everything. But we hear very little about service dogs. And when I'm talking service dogs, uh, uh, well, Marcy will go into this later, but uh, uh, our, our school, the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide School in Oakville, uh, trains seizure response dogs and diabetic alert dogs and autism assistance dogs. Uh, and hearing uh, ear dogs and uh, service dogs that assist people with mobility impairments as well as uh, guide dogs. So, but it's those first uh, five that we hear very seldom. And so I want to remedy that situation by playing you that uh, chat that I had with Marcy Davis. Well, for, first of all, Marcy, welcome back to the program. It's good to have you again. Thank you. It's great to be back. So just for the benefit, maybe, of people who don't know, um, what are assistance dogs? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, there is some confusion out there about what is an assistance dog. And basically, the term assistance is an umbrella that really covers several different types of dogs that assist people with disabilities, like myself. Um, and those are different types. Like, the ones we know of that usually come to mind the quickest are guide dogs for people who are blind or who have limited vision. Um, but there are lots of other types. There are mobility dogs that helps somebody like me who uses a wheelchair. There are seizure alert dogs that help someone who may need to be alerted if they're diabetic and their blood sugar is fluctuating. Um, there's lots, and you know, and what's really amazing, Devin, is it's expanding. I know when I got my first assistance dog way back, almost 30 years ago, you know, there were just service dogs and guide dogs, and that was pretty much it. But mm -hmm. now we're just beginning to learn all the different ways that dogs can assist people with different needs. And so I think of, of that term assistance dogs as that umbrella 
that covers all those different types of dogs and also hearing dogs that assist someone who is deaf or has hearing loss. So amazing things that dogs can do for people with, with limitations. It's awesome. Yeah, we seem to be finding out more and more uh, things that uh, dogs can do for us, aren't we? Yes, yes. It seems like we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. I mean, even now, you know, we're seeing dogs that are, are able to, to sniff out different viruses and all kinds of different things. It's really amazing, and they are such an incredible tool and gift to us, that's for sure. Yeah. So what was it that, that kind of spurred you on to apply for the uh, possibility of having a, a week to honor assistance dogs? Well, you know, I had my first service dog, love, um, Ramona. Lovey is my current dog. <laughs> um, they're, both, they're both black labs and very similar in their personalities, both little stinkers. <laughs> but I, I had Ramona, and she just changed my life. You know, it was such a game changer getting getting my first service dog. And when she passed away, I was devastated at the loss of her. Mm -hmm. And so that that encouraged me to write a book about her and and service dogs called Working Like Dogs. And I, I put down all the experiences I had had and hoping that that would help other people. And after I did that, you know, I just kept one, and I did that as, as a way to honor Ramona and her memory. Mm -hmm. and, and I wanted to do more, you know, and as I learned more and as I got my second dog, and I had such a great relationship with him, and he was so incredible, I met his puppy raiser who was amazing, and so was Ramona's as well. Cool. And so I wanted to do something bigger that could really, really highlight and celebrate not only these incredible canines, but also all the trainers and the volunteers and the donors, you know, because you know how much goes into mm -hmm. creating one of these animals. It's not just something that happens overnight. And so that was really it. I wanted to honor all the dogs and all the incredible people that contributed and have you received lots of uh, support over the years? Oh, my goodness, yes. Well, it started out, I was doing it only in the United States, but it so quickly became obvious that it needed to be international. So I actually changed it from <laughs> national to international because we had so many countries, and now I've lost count, Devin, of how many countries are celebrating it. It's just amazing. And, and it's, again, because we're learning more, more people are getting dogs and service dogs, assistance dogs than they ever have before. And so, yeah, the word is spreading and the needs are spreading. So people are really interested and they want to celebrate these incredible canines. Mm -hmm. This pandemic is meaning that people are locked down uh, in various countries and various states and provinces and that sort of thing. Have you maybe come up with a list of alternative ways that that the uh, dogs can be celebrated? Well, you know, we are absolutely supporting Zoom, you know, and some of the online platforms for people to communicate and people to have events, even um, trainings and lots of, of opportunities that we can, we can be flexible, you know, as, as all of us are having to be. And it's certainly that flexibility and that creativity of finding other ways to celebrate is definitely translates to International Assistance Dog Week for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people are doing that. They're having um, celebrations. They're doing podcasts like yours and mine on Working Like Dogs and you know, they're just doing a lot of different things. They're writing articles. You know, there are lots of other formats other than gathering in the what we used to know as a gathering. There's lots of other ways to spread that word and message and to, to have those celebrations. So absolutely. 
And if uh, store owners or restaurant owners will let you in or take in a poster or whatever, uh, perhaps they could use uh, that kind of medium as well. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yes. Yes. Really, the sky is the limit in, in creativity for spreading the word. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast that you mentioned Um where does it, where can people subscribe to it? Yeah, well, it's called Working Like Dogs. Um, people can find it on PetLifeRadio.com. And they can also find it at WorkingLikeDogs.com. And it is, I have so much fun on the website, I mean, on the, on the podcast, interviewing people from all over the world. And we just, you know, I just invite people on the show that, it's something that I want to know about. Mm-hmm. So we have guests that are, you know, that are experts in assistance dogs, but we also talk about other working dogs, you know, that are, you know, that work with law enforcement, that um, work in hospitals, you know, sniffing out different types of, of viruses. You know, so we just have a lot of, of fun interviewing people that have incredible working dogs and working animals even. We've had horses and birds and all kinds of, of animals um, on the show, which has just been such a delight, and I feel so honored to be able to visit with these people and to learn from them. How often does it uh, come on? You know, uh, my producer lets that be totally up to me, and I wish that I did more shows, Devin, but I also have a full-time job that keeps me pretty busy. Oh, wow. I, you know, I try to do the show, you know, whenever I see something that piques my interest. Yes. Um, if somebody that I want to talk to, mm-hmm. then that's when I will drop everything and do that. Because I think if it's something I'm interested in, then other people um, similar to me might be interested in it. So it's such a labor of love with no pressure that I get to schedule and, you know, and do, do interviews and do shows when it, when it works for my schedule, which is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear about your dog, Lovey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I am, Lovey is actually my fourth service dog, and she is a little black lab who is a little um, firecracker herself. She's got all kinds of ideas and attitudes and is very she's the most confident dog I've ever had <laughs> and I adore her she has really been amazing and she was trained by Assistance Dogs of the West which is actually an assistance dog organization here in Santa Fe New Mexico so I'm so fortunate that they're close by mm-hmm. and they've been such a wonderful agency to get my dog from and then I'm as I said, Lovey is starting the retirement process. Oh dear! And I have, I have started the successor dog process. Ah! Actually, about to get my fifth dog. Wow! And he is a golden retriever named Fenway. And you asked about the pandemic, and actually, it was really interesting. I went through the placement process of interviewing with dogs in December. And I met Fenway, but he was really young when I met him. But he and I hit it off so quickly that the trainers asked me if I was willing to wait for him. (laughs) But they told me it would be about another year. And I said yes, because Lovey really wasn't ready to retire that day. I knew she had another year in her. Mm -hmm. So I said yes, I'll wait for him. Well, they started letting him, they let him come to our house, you know, to meet Lovey and to meet um, my cats and, you know, get to know the house and see if we were a good match. Mm-hmm. And we were, so he was doing sleepovers. But in January and early February, when things started to change with the pandemic, they actually called me and asked me if I'd like to keep them while during the pandemic because they were looking for some places for their puppies mm. to be housed during the pandemic. Right. So I got to, to get him which is really a new experience. I've never had that experience in getting a dog. So he has been living with us since February, and it's been really, and he goes to school still, and even during the pandemic, he's been going about twice a week um, so that he works with his trainers. But it's been a really different process 
Mm-hmm. Amazing to get to to get to know him as a baby and to watch him grow into into being a service dog, which it's been amazing his transformation in the last six months. Necessity is definitely the mother of invention, isn't it? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. And you just have to be open, you know, and just be willing to again adapt and. And again, what does the disability teach you but how to be flexible and adapt? So <laughs> that's for sure. I think that's one of the, the beauties of having a disability. It helps you learn to cope with lots of things that other people may struggle with. Yes, that's and right. Yeah, it's been an adventure. You need to think out of the box. Right. Think outside the box. Just go with the flow, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. That, so... International Assistance Dog Week is August 2nd to 8th this year? I believe so. Yeah. Honestly, Devin, I'd have to check. This <laughs> is every year. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, the way I came up with August is actually I grew up in the South, and those are the dog days. I grew up knowing those were the dog days of summer. Yes. So that's why I always chose the first week of August, the first full week of August, are the dog days. And so that's why I chose that date. Oh, that's great. Since dog week, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're going to be busy that week, I'm sure. Yes, yes. We're going to be doing all kinds of different things. I'm we're actually, yeah, having a different speakers and doing a conference. Assistance Dogs of the West is doing some different things. So, yeah, it's wonderful. Virtually? Well, yes, we are doing a conference um, actually specific to courthouse dogs. Oh. Um, I don't know, yeah, if you're familiar with those yes. assistance dogs. They, as you may know, work with children in the court system, mm-hmm. children have been abused. And so we're doing a conference on August 6th and 7th for courthouse dog handlers uh, where we're having all kinds of wonderful speakers. We have Dr. Singleton who works with ECAD, um, that you may know that, that service dog, and an assistance dog organization um, in, on the East Coast. They're wonderful. Okay. He's speaking, and Dr. Wynn is speaking about his book, Dog is Love. Um, so lots of great speakers. We're really excited about it. And, yes, it's all virtual. Terrific. Can <clears throat> other people re- uh, register or can they uh, can they uh, phone in or whatever if they? No, they, they can, actually. If they want to contact me, um, and they can contact me at workinglikedogs at gmail.com if they're interested, and I will give them the information and help them get registered. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks very much, Marcy, for chatting with us, and uh, good luck once again with uh, International Assistance Dog Week, and uh, it'll be good to uh, hear what other people in various countries around the world are doing. Will they um, post that sort of thing on a website? Um, yes. People can go to International Assistance Dog Week's website, um, and there's information there. You know, there's so many things going on, Devin, that we used to post them all, but now there are so many we can't keep up <laughs> with them. Uh-huh. So there's, but there's definitely information. There's um, proclamations. There's sample um, press releases, if people want to use them, all that information is on there and it's free to download. So really encourage people to check that out. So that's internationalassistancedogweek.org. O-R-G. Okay, terrific. Well, they can get more ideas that way and maybe translate them into something that they can do at home. Yes, yeah. yes. So much fun. Well, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us again, Marcy, and all the best. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to be here and visit with you. Thank you so much. Just before we heard that chat with Marcy Davis, I mentioned the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide Training Center in Oakville. 
A few years ago, I had the opportunity to actually I've done it twice with the same person. I went with a friend of mine and stayed with her there for three weeks because she was training with her service dogs on both occasions and she needed someone to help her with her oxygen and whatever else she needed to have done, you know, so I went as her attendant. And on both occasions when I came back, uh, my guide dogs wrote articles about what service dog training is like here in Canada. And uh, so I thought I'd replay the article that Frankie wrote, <laughs> my guide dog. He um, made a, a day-to-day uh, diary of uh, how things happened. And so as we finish up our celebration of International Assistance Dog Week, I thought I'd play that. A Frankie assessment of service dog training. My name is Frankie Wilkins. My mom's name is Devon, and I'm her fourth guide dog. In June of 2018, mom's friend Gwen went to the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide Training Center in Oakville, Ontario to train with her third service dog. Mom was her caregiver, just as she was when Aunt Gwen trained with Faust eight years ago. Day one. We arrived at the school on the Monday afternoon. In the evening, we met the other students and got an orientation to the center. Day two. At 9 in the morning, serious training began with the training game. Each student took turns playing the role of first the trainer and then the dog. The purpose of the game was to show how well dogs respond to positive enforcement as opposed to negative input. They were also introduced to the collar, the leash, and the halty equipment that they will be using when they get their dogs. In the afternoon, the students learned the commands heel, sit, down, and behind. Later, they practiced short routes, first with trainers playing the role of dogs, and then with real dogs. They finished the day by discussing the value of different rewards, all the way from a pat on the head to a toy with a treat inside. Day 3. When we gathered this morning, everyone in the class received dogs to practice with. Next came a discussion of how to relieve their new dogs. After lunch, the class discussed both treats and treat pouches, as well as the various types of crates. Then, just before the afternoon break, the students were told that at 3 p.m. they should put the leashes and collars they had received before lunch on the outside of their room doors, and leave their doors unlocked. Mom was asked to put me on the leash. Shortly after the appointed hour, there was a knock at the door, and in walked a yellow lab golden cross female named Persia and it was love at first sight even if it wasn't the black male lab that Aunt Gwen wanted. Just before supper the dogs were taken back to their kennels with the promise that they would be back for good tomorrow morning. Day 4. As promised, the students' new dogs returned, and the class learned the command come. The students were advised to reward their dogs handsomely in order to ensure that their dogs would be reliable. The class spent the rest of that day practicing come, as well as all the commands that they had learned previously. Day 5. The new command for today was stay. The trainers emphasized that stay should only be used when the students planned to return to their dogs within the next minute or two. Here again, the students were advised to reward handsomely in order to increase reliability from their dogs. Day 6. Mom and I weren't actually in the classroom today because Mom was laid up with a back spasm, but we could hear the students enticing their dogs to push. The dogs were practicing pushing buttons in order to open the automatic doors. Day 7. Today was a day off because it was Sunday. Day 8. Following the planned fire drill, the class learned the command tugs. Each of the cupboard doors have ties on them which they use to pull the doors open. In the evening, each dog was allowed to be off-leash for 15 minutes. Day 9. The class began the day by learning the command nudge, which used to be a push. The students did a circuit of closing cupboard doors, as well as doors for the fridge and the dryer. Then came a walk to Starbucks, but mom and I didn't go. At one point during the afternoon, the dogs practiced barking for help. Everyone did very well. After supper, each team had individual playtime for 15 minutes. They were able to spend the night out of their kennels, and Persia was very good, even when I barked because something startled me. Day 10. 
Before our special guest joined us, we had a talk about introducing dogs to pets already in the home. The students were instructed not to force the animals to become friends. If the dog insists on bothering the cat, for example, the cat will gain the dog's respect by swatting it. The students were advised not to try to introduce their dogs to other pets such as rodents, reptiles, or birds. In the case of other dogs, students should introduce them in a neutral area such as outside. We were then joined by Cheddar, a small bronze-colored cat from the puppy training facility in Breslau. The students were encouraged to offer their dogs higher value treats when introducing them to pet cats. This afternoon, the teams learned the command fetch. The dogs did very well with fetching two cases for glasses and an old cell phone. Tomorrow morning, both individual and class pictures will be taken. Day 11. Just prior to lunch, the class discussed both fundraising and what is and isn't an emergency. After lunch, the class met for a visit to Fortino's and Baskin Robbins. From what I hear, the dogs didn't get to share in the ice cream that was consumed. Day 12. This morning, the class was instructed to string skills together such as tugs, fetch, and nudge. Later, each team went to the lounge. The students were instructed to hide and then call so that the dog could practice finding them. This afternoon, we went to Pet Value where the trainers showed us which bones, cogs, etc. are safest and which to avoid. Day 13. This morning, the class practiced fetching from a distance. The trainers told the students that they could ask their dogs to fetch named items such as pens, keys, phones, etc. from distances starting with a couple of feet and increasing by degrees from there, all depending on the dog's level of comfort. They also worked on the command go-get, where the dogs can be trained to actually seek out a named person, nuzzle that person, and bring that person back to its handler. The class also practiced take it and go give, where the handler asks the dog to take an article and give it to a named person. The teams were encouraged to practice that exercise at increasing distances. With regard to the command tugs, the students were advised that they could ask their dogs to help with removing such articles of clothing as jackets, mittens, and socks. The day ended with a walk to the park where they practiced some more fetching. Day 14. The class traveled to Oakville Place Mall by public transit. There, they practiced using elevators and walking through the mall. We had lunch in the food court, paid for by Dog Guides of Canada. On our return to the center, the class practiced clapping to see how the dogs would react. After dinner, the class, minus the trainers, got together to write a brief speech which will be read at tomorrow night's graduation. The student chosen to give the speech had originally planned to just wing it, as he put it, but it had to be submitted in writing so that members of the hearing dog program can read what is being said. Day 15. The last day of training was a day for tying up loose ends. Each student was asked which skill they would like to practice. When the class had been advised as to how that evening would unfold, the students were encouraged to go for a walk of some kind. Aunt Gwen, Persia, Mom and I went to the park, but we didn't stay long because it was beginning to rain. That evening, students from the service dog program, the hearing dog program, the guide dog program, the seizure response dog program, and the diabetic alert dog program all received their graduation packages. Tomorrow, morning and when mom and i will be headed home with persia and that will just about do it for another edition of insight peterborough thanks so much for listening and i do hope that you can be with me next week until then have a good week i almost told you to have a good long weekend But you will have had that by the time you hear this, probably. So have a good week instead. Bye for now.